Welcome to Rethinking Leadership, where we're serving fresh ideas over coffee, because nothing happens before coffee. I'm Jackie Lesser. And I'm Dee Harrison. Grab your favorite mug and let us fill you up. Good morning, Dee. Hey there, Jackie. You have your coffee? Of course I do. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So I wanted to start today by sharing an alliteration um, because I love alliterations. I always find that when I use an alliteration, it helps me remember things quickly. I love the way it sounds. It rolls off my tongue. And speaking of that, uh, the reason that I came up with this is because I was talking to a client about being triggered. And I know that, you know, we as human beings have triggers, right? We get triggered at various times throughout the day. And some obviously feel um, more triggering than others. But, you know, I even heard a young person, when I say young person, like a I guess she was probably about 12 years old. She was talking about her brother. She said, my brother knows how to push every one of my buttons. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure yeah. you can relate to that with your kids. Um, so anyway, I I realized that, you know, I have plenty of things that trigger me all day long. You and I have talked about this, you know, with for yourself and for our clients. And um, so I have an alliteration that I wanted to share. Okay. Hey, do you think it would be useful to just say a few words about what we mean by being triggered? I think that's a great idea. Okay. No, I think that's a great idea. And for me, being triggered means that all of a sudden I'm just being calm or whatever. And someone says something that, you know, kind of like this 12 year old said, pushes a button. All of a sudden I'm no longer feeling just able to process information, but I have a reaction. Instead of responding, I feel like I want to react. David Rock, uh, in his book called Your Brain at Work, puts it so brilliantly. Like if you're, if typically he uses the acronym SCARF, if your status, if your certainty, your autonomy, your relatedness, or your fairness, if any one of those three things are triggered, threatened, I'm sorry, you could be triggered into a place with your brain chemistry where now all of a sudden you're not thinking quote unquote straight. You know, you're not thinking clearly. You're not thinking with your prefrontal cortex, the right part of your brain that can make good decisions. You've been triggered into the limbic system. You know, the limbic system has been triggered and now you're using that fight or flight part of your brain to make decisions. So that's what I mean when I get triggered. I know I'm triggered because I'm just not peaceful anymore. I'm not calm. I have a reaction and it's almost like I can feel it in my body. Like I can feel it in my chest. I can feel it in my throat. I can feel it in my stomach. How do you describe triggers? Well, no, I think that's beautiful. And one addition I would like to make is you said that, you know, when you're triggered, like the 12 year old said about someone else pushing your buttons. I also can recognize when I've been triggered as a result of my own thinking or something I'm saying to myself. I mean, it happened just this morning. It's a really busy couple of weeks and I was, I could feel my breathing starting to get shallow and my heart was pounding. And I was telling myself a story about okay, this is going to be stressful and you're not going to get it all done and it's going to be really busy and blah, blah, blah. And in that moment, I recognized I'm triggered and I was starting to, like, as you said, move to reaction mode rather than calmly responding. And the person that was got the brunt of my reaction was my 11-year-old son who happened to be in the room at the time. So we can trigger ourselves mm. is my point. You know, yes. Yeah. 
Perfect. Certainly there's times when we are triggered as a result of what someone else has said or done. And it's really also useful to become aware of those times when our limbic system, our fight or flight mechanism has been triggered as a result of what I am telling myself. Yes, that's so true. Because, yeah, and and that probably happens more often than someone else triggering me personally. Agreed. Uh, yeah. yeah. I also think that we probably talked about this maybe in episode one. So now we're on episode five. So it's just a great reminder that the first step in relieving the limbic system is to breathe, right? So yes. because I like alliterations, I just call it pause. That first step in relieving the trigger is just to push pause. And in that step, you can breathe. And then once you're breathing and your parasympathetic has been, you know, signaled, hey, you're not being chased by a lion, you can calm down. Then you become, this is the second P, your presence is available. And the third P I call present. So now I can actually present what it is that my response is versus my reaction. So it's pause presence and present. And those are my three steps for any time I feel triggered by someone else. And of course, also by my, yeah. you know, from myself. Yes. So let's talk about each one in a little more detail. And maybe before we start digging into those, let's spend a minute. I mean, the first step is to recognize that I'm triggered, right? So before I can pause, I have to become aware that there's some reason that I, you know, I want to take a pause. And for me, and I, I would guess for most people, the clues are usually in my body first. Before I become conscious of the thoughts I'm telling myself, I can usually feel something happening in my body. You know, when that fight or flight mechanism is triggered, there is a lot that begins to happen chemically in the body. So cortisol is released, which is the stress hormone. So we start to feel, my heart starts to maybe pound a little faster. I'm preparing to fight or flight. So my adrenals get going. And the first thing I usually notice is that I'm taking short breaths. I'm breathing shallowly. My chest starts to feel tight. And for me, I usually feel it in my stomach too, like either a churning or like a butterfly sensation. And I think that's the first thing I become conscious of is because all of a sudden my stomach just doesn't feel good. And that's my cue to then go, oh yeah, okay, I'm triggered here. And then I can begin the 3P process. Mm. So first it's the awareness. So how does that look for you usually? I know because I feel a constriction and it's usually in my chest, you know, and then I also, I also notice it in my throat. I just feel constricted. All of a sudden, instead of being open, I'm closed. So mm. as soon as I feel closed down in my body, so constricted in my chest, constricted in my throat, I've been triggered. Yeah. What I want to say to our listeners out there is, you know, the first step in moving into the three P's is to just start paying attention to what's happening in your body in those moments when you begin to recognize, I'm not feeling right, I'm triggered, I'm in reaction mode. So recognize what's happening in your body. It can be a really powerful entry point to do the work of this alliteration. Yep. Good. All right. So pause. Do you want to say a little bit more about that? This is how I talk about it in coaching too. I, you know, I think it's just a really simple 
underrated tool that we have. We've always been able to push pause. I don't think people actually realize. I don't have to react to this. I can push pause. I can gather myself. I can catch my breath. I can let my body know that it can relax. When I breathe, it gives me a chance to gather myself, you know? Yeah, and I, I agree with what you said about it being underrated. It's such a simple thing to do. I'm signaling my nervous system to calm down. My whole brain is getting pulled back online. You know, that limbic system is settling down and my higher thinking, the higher thinking part of my brain is returning to where I would like it to be, which that higher thinking part of the brain is where our ability to manage our own emotions resides and our ability to read the emotions of others and be able to feel empathy and handle the nuances going on in a relationship. And it always amazes me that it's like, boy, that's what I need the most in those moments when I'm triggered, right? I need Mm -hmm. to manage my emotions. I need to be able to read your emotions and respond appropriately. And yet that's the first part of my brain that goes if I allow my limbic system to, you know, hijack the whole thing, right? basically. So that pause is really important. Yeah. You know, I also want to say too, pause doesn't necessarily always indicate a a particular amount of time Mm -hmm. because yeah, I can breathe depending on the magnitude of the trigger. I may actually need to breathe for, you know, more than just three deep breaths. I may need to go take a walk. I may need to come back to this tomorrow. So pause is not associated with a period of time. Um, I, I would also like to add another P in there. This is not part of the alliteration that I typically share with my clients. I do this for myself. When I push pause and I'm having a hard time getting myself back line, you know, in line, I also pray like to myself, you know, just in my quiet, like inside voice, you know, I'll mm-hmm. say a prayer while I'm yep. breathing. I will say a prayer. That helps me. So yes, another P to add to the pile. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> one. Then we are able to presence ourselves. Yes. And I think too, just in terms of presence, like until you bring all of your parts that have been scattered, you know, like it's kind of like, it reminds me of the visual I'm getting is kind of messing up a room, you know, throwing things up in the air, you know, and now all Mm -hmm. the puzzle pieces are scattered. Now we're bringing all the pieces, all the parts Mm -hmm. back into the center so we can recreate the puzzle. Gathering them all in. Gathering them all in. Yep. And when, when that happens, even in the gathering, you know, in the gently pulling all those parts back in, inviting all those parts back in, I'll say, rather than pulling, I think that's when we, our presence is felt. It's like, oh, okay, I feel more like myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know for me in that moment, there's usually some words that I will attach to that presence. So, and, and generally, I think just, organically what starts to happen in my thoughts is words like it's okay you're okay we're gonna be okay like just reminding myself that in this moment it's okay right you know so that comforts me somehow and allows me you know to presence even Mm. further and be able to then make choices about our third p which i know is you know how am i going what do i want to do how do i present myself now 
But in that moment, I generally attach some, you know, some self-supportive words to help me to even further remember that, you know what, I'm going to handle this. I am handling this. I'm really glad you brought that up because I do that too. And what I find myself typically saying is everything is working out on my behalf in service of the highest and best for all concerned. And that has been very, very helpful. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't, I haven't figured it out. I don't need to figure it out right now. I just, I want to trust. I do trust. I have faith that everything is working out on my behalf in service of the highest and best for all concerned. Boy, and you know, doing that right there, it's, it also feels like there's a release of control that happens, right? I'm not in control of this. Yeah. I don't need to think I'm in control of this because the fact is I'm not. So it's just that moment to remember, okay, you know what? I'm trusting that this will work out, is working out exactly as it should be. And it allows me to just release. And, you know, while I know that maybe can feel a little, you know, scary to some of us control freaks out there, I found over time for me, that's actually really comforting to know I don't have to do anything. I just have to breathe and get out of the way so I can allow what is, you know, needing to be to become. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I think, I think what, I, what I'm taking from that is the only thing I can control is my response. I can control my attitude. I can control my perspective about this. I get to control what I make yes. this mean. If I feel triggered... When I say to myself, you know, if I'm breathing and all of a sudden I come back into my, back into presence, right there, I'm able then to use the part of my brain, right? As you would, you've said in the past, I can bring it back online so that then I have myself available to make a good decision about how to respond. And then you know, my, the triggered part of me doesn't have to figure it out. The triggered part of me doesn't have to react, but the part, you know, the good consciousness, I guess, is, is what is going to be taking action in the future. And so, yeah, letting go of the idea that this triggered part has to be in charge is very comforting. Yeah. You know, cause I'm, I'm reminded of something else that I believe David Rock said, I don't know if these are his exact words, but when that trigger part of me, the, re- the reaction, if I was to go with that, there's this sense of force. I have to make something happen. I've got to get this all done. I have to tell him that, you know, he's not understanding what I'm saying or whatever it is, but there's this sense of force versus a sense of ease and flow. So as I, as I pause and get present what I'm doing is I, I use the phrase getting out of the way. I think what I mean by that is I am taking myself out of the belief of, and it's an unco- it might be an unconscious belief, an unconscious reaction that I have to force something to happen here and just step aside and let, let it flow by reminding myself, as you said, trusting that all is working out on my behalf. I am okay. I'm going to stay present and make a conscious choice about what's the next wise action to take or not to take right? True. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, you just feel better when you have yourself available. 
Yes. You know, you're pre- even if it feels like it's a, still a difficult situation, it's it's not comfortable because now you're going to have to talk to somebody that you know me, either you don't want to talk to or feels like it's going to be a difficult conversation. But when you've got yourself all together, wow, that is a place of power. It is, yes. We feel very empowered. And, you know, I was just having a conversation with a client this morning where we were talking about as we do this enough times and we present ourselves in a way that's intentional and conscious and then we see the result of that, um, which just, you know, we don't know what the actual outcome might be, but the result of how we feel in that, we feel empowered, we feel calm. Then the next time it happens, maybe not the next time, but as this continues and we continue to do our three Ps, um, what him and I were talking about was it almost becomes exciting. Like the next time the quote problem happens or the next time I'm triggered and it feels quote bad, there's a part of us that goes, oh, wait a minute. This is great. This is another opportunity to be intentional and to move myself in a positive direction, move this situation in a positive direction. So from the perceived adversity... We learn, or we, we can learn, it's a different perspective to view it as exciting opportunity, right? Which is a very, a very different way to look at those things that used to trigger us. Absolutely. And I think if we bring it back to why, why would we want to do this anyway? Like, what is the end that we have in mind with this? It always, for me, comes back to, and for clients that I work with and for people in my life, it always comes back to, I want to feel good I, in my relationship. I want to be in right relationship yes. with the person I'm working with, with the person that I, you know, married to, with myself. I always want to be in right relationship. So we know that pausing, getting yourself present, being in your presence, and then presenting is what it's going to take to keep the space between us mm. clean and clear. That's right. Yes. So do we want to say more about the last P, yeah. which then is present? Yes. I think once, for me, once I have myself available and I know now that I'm using the prefrontal cortex, the part of my brain that makes good decisions, I am able to, in a way that feels right for me, that is literally in service of the highest and best for all concerned, I can present my idea, I can present how it is that I'm feeling, I can present a perspective, I can present another way of thinking about this or doing the, you know, the the thing that we're up to. When I think about presenting, you know, when you make a presentation, you're generally doing that using, you know, putting your best foot forward. So that's why I called it present because Mm -hmm. It's your best foot forward. It's your whole, it's your well-intentioned, calm, peaceful way of presenting what just happened, what it's like for you, what you're feeling in a way that someone else would actually be able to perceive it. Right. Yeah, you know, you reminded me of, or made me think of also another part of the second P of presence is when I do that, I'm also becoming more present to that other person if there is another person involved or, or a group if I'm in a meeting or whatever it is. So my P, my present, then I'm also able to, as I am present um, in the room, not just to myself, but present in the room, I'm, I'm attuned. I'm tuning into what else is going on out there. So part of my P, the way I present it might actually be 
that I want to ask a question of someone else in the room to, to wonder, did I get that right? Did mm. I understand what was being said? You know, I made an interpretation, perhaps, of what was said that felt didn't feel good, which inadvertently or unconsciously created the trigger in the first place, perhaps. That's right? a so great as point. I, yeah, right. So I may also, in my presenting my best foot forward, it may be that I want to check in with the group and look at what just happened before the trigger and am I understanding what's happening in a way that it was intended. That's really great. So you're not necessarily presenting an idea or another way of looking at it. You're also presenting an opportunity to use curiosity, which is such a great skill and tool and competency to boost the health and well-being of relationships. Right, because I think, I'm sort of making this up, but I think that when we are triggered in the first place, it's probably because consciously or unconsciously, we made a judgment decision. I don't mean judgment in a judgmental way, but we made a came to a conclusion about something that didn't feel good, which right. is what created the trigger in the first place. So when I come to a conclusion about something, I know this is the way it was. I know this is what she meant. I'm removing the opportunity. That's not curiosity at all. That's quite the opposite. So when I then when I'm able to come back, gather myself, be present to myself and others, I might present that sense of curiosity, as we were saying, to go full circle and check in on the conclusion I came to. I mean, I think a high percentage of the time, just because we're all different people and we see things so individually, what I concluded is not exactly what was intended. And so then we have the opportunity in a clear-headed fashion to continue the conversation and get to some kind of alignment. Yes. Yesterday I was having a conversation in a group meeting and we were talking about when you're triggered, when someone feels you know triggered, that's almost uh, another signal to for your body mind separates from the other. So the relation, something happens, there's a kind of like a breakdown in the relationship for a minute. Like an us and them feels. Right. For a moment. Mm -hmm. So for a moment, you're separate. So what you get to do with pause, presence, and present is reunite, you know, is to remember union and to come back together in, in right relationship. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Because, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. We separate and then feel isolated in a way, and that's not the truth. The truth is everything we do is going to happen in relationship, whether it's with myself or with another person. So I love that, having that moment to remember union, I think was how you said that. Remember unity. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I I personally guarantee this because I've tried it so many times myself, you know, (laughs) sometimes almost daily. And also because I've talked to so many people, whether it's clients or friends, you know, who have used this process, these three P's, and more and more we find that that that's what really works and has us feeling more fulfilled in our friendships, in our relationships, in our working, in our working teams. And the cool thing is you don't need anybody else to help you out with it. It doesn't cost anything. That's right. You know, it's just, and it's easy to remember. Pause, presence, and present. There you have it. it is. Nice. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for this great conversation and the good coffee today. 
Yeah, likewise. Wow, mine must have, my coffee must have been high test because I am just ready to go. <laughs> well, until, Thank you, uh, yeah, thanks, Dee. Until next time. We're so glad that you were here with us today, listening to Rethinking Leadership, serving fresh ideas over coffee. You can connect with Jackie Lesser on JackieLesser.com, and you can connect with me, Dee Yarrison, at EssentialShiftNow.com. And we'll see you next time.